everyone, welcome to Dawson's Weekly, a podcast about Dawson's Creek, hosted by Catherine and Katie and fucking Mercury Retrograde. Mercury Retrograde. Which will be fucking what? over by the time we release this anyway, Katie. You sounded like the, pair you of us like the fucking beginning of you know, one of those hostage videos when you introduced that. <laughs> Absolutely fuming. <laughs> I feel sweetness and light compared to you and I'm Over not in the very best little. moods either. Right, yeah, we'll preempt we, this we, by going we're both in a bad mood. About we're both in a really bad mood. Well, yours isn't very little. No, my, well, I mean, it depends. I obviously uh, really like um, astrology, but mainly I don't really go too far into astrology, only to use the fact that I'm a Leo to excuse As me from excuse everything, for everything I do in life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And also to just look at the good Leo traits and go, that's me. I'm generous. I'm wonderful. I've got blonde hair. It's a man. As people have probably already very much figured out by now. So I didn't realise I've just been in a fucking shitter of a mood. And then I spoke to Catherine before we recorded on the phone and she was like, it's Mercury retrograde, isn't it? And I was like, ah, oh, yes, it fucking is. Till the 3rd of June. Yeah, it's actually over in a few days. So I kind of think I'm not going to speak to anyone but you in those few days. And I include my husband and children in that comment. Of people I'm not going to talk to, people, That's not people I am going to talk possibly to. Possibly the nicest thing you've. Oh, sorry. I thought you've said people you're not. Are you talking to me or not? Just you, only you. <laughs> you're the only person I will talk to. And I've included my husband and children in that comment. Essentially, I'm just going to sit up here in the pod loft and not talk to anyone but you, is what I'm saying. You seem to be struggling with this notion. Um, <laughs> <laughs> are you are you going to keep talking to me? Yeah, that's what that's I'm fine. saying. Mercury fucking retrograde again there, Katie. You couldn't understand. You're not going to talk to your husband and children? No, I can't be bothered. Again, that's fine. Yeah, I am fully, <laughs> fully down with this. As long as someone's talking to me, I'm like, how could somebody not talk to me? Basically, we're preempting all of this in case we're a bit fuming this episode. Also, I w- let's talk about this at the front of the episode. I'm also a bit fuming that poor bad dad reformed died very young. Oh, why have I thought I'm we were going to do this at about the that. end? And I've just got myself into no. a bit of work. Oh. No, I thought we'd better talk about it at the front because... I think oh, we were going to do some sort of a shit sandwich. No, it was a dedication. It's, it's not a dedication a shit sandwich. End, it's just a shit. To... We've literally done. We have defecated in your bed, and that oh, is all that you are getting. So we've defecated in your bed, and then we've gone to Coachella allegedly. <laughs> that is what we've done to you, dear listener. It might have been my cat. It might have been me, but I've shit in your bed, and now I'm off to Coachella to take some shrooms. And do you know what? That sounds fucking good. So, well, no, the reason <laughs> I, I wanted to it's like I'm not even just going up, just going. I'm not touching that. Not. <laughs> the reason I wanted to say it at the beginning is because I don't think that we can get through any of the scenes with him in without without it being impactful. And and when we talked about him last episode, and we were saying he's bad dad reformed, and then like to I, I actually when it came up at the end of it, I was like, oh god, I can't believe that I forgot that, but I did remember it but it's all very sad and and he was going so well as well bad dad reformed so that was another thing uh, genuinely i mean the thing about this episode is it's super fucking about the first half at least is super fucking dry jesus christ and then it gets quite good <laughs> so like we're gonna try and battle out i did rename bad dad during this episode to bad dad 
now amazing dad okay bad dad now amazing dad that might be the episode title as well I mean I know it was uh, it was 22 years ago but it is it's still really sad the guy was only 55 years old for god's sake very sad um so obviously we're not going to see Jack and Andy's dad again after this episode which is also sad because he was really growing on me bloody hell just nothing, just no good news, Katie. There's no good news. I was trying to find some Mercury retrograde type horoscope, which I haven't managed to do because I'm on the spot. But I found that like, I just went to the first horoscope thing that I got on Instagram and it's like the world's shittest horoscopes. But yours is right. for today, the 31st of May, it goes on about all sorts of shite. But it ends with, right. you, m- you might have an argument with your spouse during the day, but it will be settled down while having dinner. <laughs> That's specific. very specific, isn't it? <laughs> not, not by dinner, but literally like, pass me the salt, you twat. Oh, actually, it's fine. <laughs> I love you. So I'm quite looking forward to your dinner now. And that's what's what yours at all. I've looked at mine. Absolutely. It's all really Food, just food solves everything. My, mine's really boring. I'm not going to have it. it what, what is mine? There was nothing really interesting. Um, it says that I'll get sheer pleasure and enjoyment for those venturing out to have fun. I've not left my house in three days. That ain't going to happen. It says, oh, it says you can become capable of earning money with anyone's help. That'll be the only grands I'm going to be starting to do. All you need is to believe in yourself. (laughs) Give proper time to your family and let them feel you care for them. Well, there's the first hurdle, isn't it? (laughs) It could be the family you've made for yourself, Kate. The family that I've got in my head, because I already was thinking that I wanted my dad to be my dad. And I was thinking there's a vacancy, actually, but yeah he can't fill it <laughs> and can we just say so not like completely not taking the piss so Jack's dad is played by an actor called David Dukes or was played by an actor called yeah. David Dukes and he died at 55 years old which is so yeah. fucking young and he was actually so we've only seen him in this kind of bit part role where he's bad dad reformed dad yeah. and then amazing dad but he was actually on location in Washington shooting the Stephen Sp- uh, sorry the Stephen King look at me I'm like Dawson the Stephen King miniseries Rose Red so he was was an accomplished actor he was brilliant he has become reformed his character yeah could have gone really really far and let's just take a minute to think about David Dukes to think about bad dad reformed dad and then amazing dad and be really thankful for his contribution to Dawson's Creek yeah absolutely because especially towards the end of season three and that really powerful scene where Jack's crying on the floor and the dad hugs him and you really felt that change and also say goodbye to what is possibly the best parent in Dawson's Creek and I know there's not much competition <laughs> that's like saying the best but... teacher in Dawson's Creek <laughs> oh Jesus Christ that's apparently Mitch yeah. the only person who works there but yeah so um that was a sad way but I wanted to like say it at the beginning because it obviously will impact when we talk about it later on so season four episode seven you had me at goodbye which is a nice sort of jerry Maguire reference sure i know i've already said this but this the beginning of this episode is dry as fuck we'll do our best with it but it gets good towards the end so a vaguely nonsensical opening scene with joey who's with that college counselor woman again well i thought this was a different college counselor because i think i would have recognized that no, same one i genuinely thought we were in the x-files and it was scully she looks nothing she like looks Scully. Like... she's just got ginger okay, hair let's have a pull am i just miss we'll remembering every woman in her late 30s who wears a power suit and has red hair and is attractive as dana scully or was she a little bit scully 
look at me making it. Is she not? Not does she look like Scully? Is she a little bit Scully now? But she was opening some files as well, and I thought she was going to start talking uh, about yeah. the time that Joey I got mean, abducted and had mili- something put inside her. That wasn't an abduction. That was Dawson's fingers, Joey. And I'm not surprised you've tried to forget about it. <laughs> I'm not surprised you've locked that, that one up to alien abduction, Joey. So would we. And he yeah, described the alien Well it was like a human But it had a massive forehead <laughs> Kept talking about E.T <laughs> uh, <laughs> Fuck we've gone off topic already Anyway Because it's so boring It's so boring It's better yeah, to do This nonsensical woman Says to Joey And this didn't make any sense to me She goes to her It suits you And Joey's like what? And she says That sort of like Deer in the headlights Look of college indecision And I was like Just Joey's eh? resting bitch Face love Surely you're used to it by now It could mean anything It could mean anything from She's thinking about the most Kind of philosophical Heart rendering things in her head Or she could just be thinking about Like I can't have any more of Bessie's muffins for shit That is just Joey's just resting Joey's bitch resting face. This bitch face it's certainly not college indecision anyway joey says that she's thinking about running away and joining the circus and the college counselor makes a joke about keeping that as a fallback plan and basically we find out that joey's well ahead of the game no there's just one more applicant of course shocking there's just one more application to do and that application is to williams college and what they need is a peer recommendation and this is repeated again and again through this episode the person that knows joey best that's who the peer recommendation needs to be from i cannot imagine having dealt with sending students to university for years and years and years the like the fuck it like who what cares what a teenager has to say do you know what i mean like i was like you could just make it up completely and just pretend it was your friend this is my friend john like how are they going to check it B, who gives a shit, as you say, you'd pick the person, if you were going to do it properly, you'd pick the person who was going to do, you, you'd pick your friend who was like the swattiest and was the best with words and would really take, like, you know, even the, the, the person that and wasn't you would even kind of in your best friends you... group, like, like one of the geeks on the periphery who wanted to be your friend, you'd be like, do you know what, right now, we're best friends, now write for me. You know me so if well. If I wrote it for you, I couldn't write, I, I couldn't keep a straight face writing it. But like, yeah, no, absolutely not. Like, Having said that, I've I just spent two years holding reference writer. Holding so if you want to be a, if you want to be a cukes, dealing with her boy problems, <laughs> and telling her she looks amazing in pencil skirts and stilettos, and explaining that we're not She's lesbians just because one of us has shot her. <laughs> that, that's ah, mainly to my mum. But do you know what I mean? Like, if I had to write something about you, I'd be like, um, she. I will just stop and say nice that. That's not even a joke. That's the truth. I wouldn't know what else to write. That's like the absolute. No, I mean that's not even a joke about your mum deciding. Oh no, my mum thought we were lesbians because we'd not had uh, neither of us had a boyfriend for a while, and Catherine had short hair, and I was like, maybe neither of us has a boyfriend for a while because we were being sluts. I didn't say that. <laughs> and also, men are terrible. Uh, yeah, we were enjoying the the, the the fruits of university, and not really the fruits, the rotten, rotten <laughs> bananas of university. <laughs> but anyway, we digress. Do you know that misshapen fruit that they sell for cheap? <laughs> and you think you're getting a bargain, but you ain't. No. So Joey looks really uncomfortable and the guidance counsellor's like, look, this is the easy part. You've just got to pick 
like somebody and Joey being Joey instead of just going all right whatever I'll go and do it has to go I was hoping to have a break from large choices with even larger consequences which is very Dawson ever and Scully stroke the guidance counsellor says look just close your eyes and clear your mind of everything this is what she does to the people who've been alien abducted and Duchovny's gonna <laughs> pop up in the background and be like not close your Listen. mind to it if there's Keep one thing mind that can make this episode better, it's Ducophony. I'm just saying, Ducophony like that would really. Oh. I know I said the beginning of this episode was dry, but that would really moisten things up. Just saying. Oh, Ducophony. I believe. So do Ducophony. I. So do I. Oh. Even though you do have a rotten banana from what I read about, I'm going to pretend that you don't. Anyway, my God, we've literally covered everything in what we thought was going to be a really dr- a dry opening has been dampened by the arrival of David Duchovny and his rotten banana who knew who fucking knew who fucking knew so, we thought we were gonna to have to work really hard and this was gonna be a dead short episode we've done about 30 seconds we of the now episode, have a soaking opening so we'll go back to our soaking opening that's almost poetic yeah, where were we and yeah, so she's told her to close her eyes, clear her mind of everything, and picture the question, who is the person that knows you, Joey Potter, the best? And Joey's all like, oh, oh. and then she's like, open your eyes, who did you see? And we all know who she fucking saw. Can we not just cut the episode short and just go, it's probably Dawson, but it might not be whatever. It was Dawson, 100%. It is. <laughs> and the person who's been accessing is... my account is Dawson. <laughs> so Agatha Christie, for those who don't know, as I like veer between like, uh, celebrity trials and also Dawson's Creek. <laughs> we should have done lives of the celebrity trials, but we don't we have any have fucking time. We still haven't done the first episode of Sex and the City, which is now retro people. It was the know, we haven't done Young Americans. Uh, the Young Americans are now really old Americans with incontinence because we haven't done anything. <laughs> we just with haven't them. done it. People are like, oh, why don't you do a Patreon? And yeah. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me i tell You'd you what, nothing more than to do pay for me to do it and i will do it but i am done i am exhausted i am spent please feel free to support the short buy me a coffee but if somebody offers me money to do something i will do it within reason not quite only fans yet but only because of logistics mainly my failing body um anyway <laughs> so we've shilled our fake sites that we don't have we've introduced david covenini's rancid penis we both now have wet <laughs> openings let's go to the theme tune theme tune lovely <laughs> happy with that makes everything great it's gonna it's gonna moisten any dry opening and then we got a pacey landy right Percy appears, is bringing Andy all of her work, right? So what she left at his, like... No, right, so she is clearly off school I didn't get sick, this. Which I thought you might oh, have a comment to make about it. I thought he was helping her pack up to go and to he's Harvard. not... Which he's turns out is her... Well, what the fuck away. episode were you watching? No, but Andy's very well prepared and it is the kind of thing that she would do, so I just assumed that this is what was happening. Now this no, makes sense. he's bringing... But also it doesn't make sense because she lived with her brother who she also goes to school with. So why is Percy bringing her all her work? Because he needs an excuse to go around and check she's not chemmed herself to death, which is my new I phrase. don't know. If I was Joey, I'd be fucking fuming. Like, uh, so would I. Like, absolutely, literally livid. Like, you spent all night in the hospital. You've done I'm your I'm livid bit. on behalf of Joey. Get away from her now. Get away from her. She's going to do chem sex with you. You're going to get monkey popped. <laughs> So yeah, I've put here. You're gonna get sad. I've put he appears to be helping her pack up for college, as Catherine's quite rightly pointed out. That is utterly (laughs) fucking ludicrous. 
literally more ludicrous than the alien invasion we had in the introduction. And Andy's basically saying she's not looking forward to going back. I thought she meant to go into Harvard. Again, she did not. She's not looking looking forward to going back to, co- to school and being stared at in the hallways as being the really smart girl who nearly, and I love this phrase, love it. And I kind of want this to be how I go out because I want it on my gravestone. Okay. She nearly chemmed herself to death in an inflatable funhouse. <laughs> I, if my obituary was I like was Katie Dykes. 1982 to not to, to, to quite say. It doesn't matter. We could chem death to death in an inflatable funhouse. Chem to death in an inflatable funhouse. Fucking brilliant. I'm put it on you. I don't care. It's going on it's your going tombstone. On it. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's not true. It doesn't have to be true. Not went to sleep peacefully, but chem death to death in an inflatable funhouse. <laughs> I love it. Funhouse. It honestly made me. Do you know we had that entire conversation about like I would never take it again. Why are they on a bouncy yeah. castle? Never in my life have I wanted to like treble drop ecstasy and get on a bouncy castle just so I could chem myself to death in an inflatable funhouse. And this is weird. <laughs> like yeah, I shouldn't have these thoughts. But anyway, Pacey quite rightly points out that if their high school didn't have a history of forgiving people who've done stupid things, stupidity, he wouldn't be able yeah. to walk down the halls. Um, not just stupidity, abuse, sexual abuse, grief, yeah, everything yeah. else. And then Andy says that they've been really good at coming and visiting her, but they've all been alone when they do so and nobody's talking about the other night, which makes it sound like it was literally the other night and since then all of them have visited and also no one's talking to each other no no one's talking to each other and Percy says yeah we're not the most huggy of groups right now and a previously fractured circle of friends have gone and got even more fractured and then Andy refers to Jen and Jack and basically Percy's like nah it's everybody and Andy says it's ridiculous because we all talked about this so oh. Andy's tried to tell Andy's, everyone Andy's tried Jen's to, yeah. and people aren't listening. Like at the end, this this frustrates and me Pacey, a little bit. I'm this, sorry, I, I understand why the right. Okay, well, I understand why for the narrative of this episode, Jen and Jack need to be arguing, but it makes no fucking sense whatsoever. Because I said it last episode, and I'll say it again. And Andy's saying it herself. She made her own choices. Yeah. She made her own choices and I don't like the message it's given that you can just basically rag out at someone because because you don't like their part in it when it's not Jen's fault and I fucking feel terrible for Jen. Yeah. Jen is just so badly done by it every motherfucking turn. I swear to God. I agree. Well, Andy uses an analogy, doesn't she? She says that when she's tried to kind of get everyone to realise that she had just as much part if not more part to play in it she'd obviously said that it takes two to tango and Percy says yeah I get that however as far as he remembers in the tango you need someone to lead just because you yeah. took those shit dance classes with Joey Percy seriously <laughs> I did think about that I did think about Andy that. says why is everybody so insistent it should be Jen you know it's not her fault and then Andy says look I'm going to fix it and then Percy and this is why I really cannot stand him in this episode Percy goes why yeah. maybe not all friendships are meant to be saved maybe some people are just meant to spend a portion of their lives with somebody and then move on and anyway isn't this what this year is meant to about moving on and I'm sorry Percy but Jen has done so much for you for the group like Jen's giving you a feeling yeah. for amazing tips for a start if not more but going away from the sexual and into the kind of like proper friendship stuff she's been there for every single member of the group when whoever their best friend is that they're rowing with they go and use Jen as their little like boo hoo hoo I've got yeah. no one to talk to buddy and now counselor Jen, yeah. and it's exactly right what Drew said last episode the second Jen kind of re- it feels like they 
they always have had this kind of, well, this is Jen, she's reformed, but the second she shows any sliver of the person that she used to be, let's just disown her. Yet nobody disowned Jen when she got completely hammered with Abby Morgan and Abby Morgan died. That was all fine. But this is the worst no thing ever. No one supported her. You've corrupted a good girl in Andy. Abby deserved to die, but not Andy. I will say this. I agree with everything you're saying, but I don't really think that Percy's referring to Jen here. I think he's referring to him and Dawson. And like, I think he's sort of like basically saying, fuck all of this sort of, sort of thing. Obviously on the surface, this is about Jen and it's shit. But underneath it, I think it's about him and Dawson. And also to a certain extent, it's a bit sad because last episode, you sort of almost got the impression that Dawson and Percy were coming round a little bit because Dawson did yeah. in a very weird way support Percy. But yeah, like it's it's not great. Everyone's blaming Jen and but it's fucking bullshit. It also takes it, it takes it back to forgiveness and forgiveness has been something that's run through the entirety of Dawson's Creek. So Percy is now in Andy's room helping her after he forgave exactly. her when she cheated. Andy has forgiven him for finishing her over that not giving her a second chance and getting with joey dawson and percy are skirting around the idea of forgiving each other dawson has forgiven joey do you know what i mean everybody else gets yeah. fucking passed where is jen except jen exactly so what andy says is we can move on without moving away from each other and Percy says, maybe we can't. And in a way, maybe he is right that, you know, as teenagers, you can't hold on to everything and everyone and things that... But the point is about this whole episode is about letting go of things, letting go of people, letting go of feelings, letting go. But what's really is interesting what about. is... Because so, what Percy says, I get it, and there, there are people in your life that do come into it for a short period, be they romantic relationships, acquaintances or friends, and they're there for a certain period and then they're not because you change, you move on, you want different things or you just lose lose contact with some people and realise that you're not making as much effort to stay in contact with them because maybe they weren't that important and that is fine, that is completely fine. But Andy really interestingly says, look, you can move on without moving away from each other and she means that obviously yeah. not in a physical sense. And that's the most important thing because the people that you want to stay close to and you know I moved away physically still can't get rid of Catherine my next yeah, move is going to start a podcast with me you dickhead so but you you the people that you want to keep in your life you will keep in your life you will see them you will do whatever it takes to see them and the people that you don't they will fall by the wayside and that is just life but as Andy says you don't have to automatically just move away from people you can make it work and Pacey's like well maybe we can't, can't. Oh, shut up, Pacey. Yeah. Like, I love you, but fucking... Get your nose out of Dawson's clever. I, I don't. I know this is fucking hypocritical of me to say, but cheer the fuck up, Pacey, are we? Mercury so then we've got Dawson. Maybe it's Mercury Retrograde over there as well, and Pacey's just been a miserable shit arc. We've got Dawson packing up at Mr. Brooks, and Mr. Brooks is being grumpy, Mr. Brooks, and he's saying about damn I, time! I thought he was... Just getting ready to start painting the never-ending house, but whatever, we will not sit here and pontificate over this. No, he's been doing it for episodes and fucking episodes. Oh, I thought he'd only just got there and Mr Brooks was like, No, like he's finishing. No, he's finishing. But also I will say this, Dawson, oh God, I can't believe I'm defending Dawson because it comes up later in the episode. But I was watching this scene. I was watching this scene and I was like, why is no fucking helping him? Jen, Pacey and Joey were all involved in this. I know. And no one's helping Dawson. I mean, okay. 
so anyway, Dawson says that your heaping praise for a job well done could swell a young man's head. And I couldn't, Brooks it doesn't like, need swelling anymore, Dawson. <laughs> Well, Mr. Brooks is like, there's two things wrong with what you've just said. Well, would suggest that you there's not brush strokes through everything you've done and done suggests that you've actually finished, which you fucking haven't made, which I thought was quite funny. And he says a cheap paint applied by cheaper labour wouldn't come close to covering the cost of the damage on that boat. And Dawson is like, I get it, I get it. But like, from your point of view, what I did was a Mr. Brooks jumps and is like, illegal! Illegal! Oh, Is it illegal God. to like, come yeah, and somebody else's boat? For life or death. Like, what would the police Maritime honestly law? do? We'll talk about the police later in this episode. But it's fucking Percy Witter's dad and his brother. What are they going to do? Report him to the police, Mr. Brooks? Do you know what? If I was Dawson, I'd be like, do you know what, mate? Have a way with it. Report me to Chief Witter. Tell him I stole your boat to save his son and see what the result is, dickhead. You old miserable old bastard. But anyway, Dawson doesn't say that, unfortunately. Because Mr. Brooks is saying it's illegal. And Dawson says, yeah, but it was life or death. And Mr. Brooks, but kind of like Mr. Brooks wins this one because he says, yeah, well, so compared to that, what's whitewashing my fence? Which, okay. And then Dawson says, but I'm, I'm so busy. I'm trying to do my college applications. He says, I've got untouched applications for higher learning. It's what higher learning. Dawson's doing things high. I'll just put that little joke in. Mr. Brooks says, Mr. Leary, from my observations, it isn't going to be all that high. And I was like, <laughs> definitely going to be high. Definitely going to be high. He's on the edibles. Because again, like Mr. Brooks has been a twat and Dawson's all like, yeah, sure. And Mr. Brooks says, you know, you're resourceful. You found time to steal my boat when needed to. So if you want me to not press charges, you need to honour everything by working off your debt. And again, I'll say it one more time. This could have been a brilliant opportunity to bring Dawson and Percy together a little bit more because of Deputy Doug and Chief Witter. I'm just saying that could have been quite a good little. I know I get why they're doing it again. It's narrative, it's narrative, it's narrative, it's narrative. And they want Mr. Brooks to be a part of this. And there's a specific reason for that. But at the same time, I'm a bit like this don't make any fucking sense because there's no way in the world. Chief Witter would be like, yeah, but save my son. So go fuck yourself, old man. But I thought it was funny that Dawson's duty was to paint a white picket fence. And I was like, this is Dawson's speciality, doing a white picket fence of privilege. <laughs> like, he should have this done in seconds, surely. Just build him a new one. Do you remember that time he built Joey a fence, like, fucking out exactly. of nowhere with no carpentry skills he whatsoever? Lo- this is fucking easy. Fence of privilege. Dawson could do this in seconds. Oh, but he doesn't want to finger Mr. Brooks, so... And, and, oh, and going through the kind of I should sue you thing, I'll take you to court, whatever, I did look up the law and it is maritime law across just about every state and country that there is a duty a fundamental rule of international law to rescue persons in distress at sea so presumably when it went to court Dawson would just go well actually and they they were the only people who were bothering to enact this law and that would mitigate the fact that they stole and wrecked a boat end of case closed says Judge Judy just go to court, Dawson, honestly. No one cares. Tomorrow got off the grooming. I'm just, exactly, I'm just kind of really annoyed that, like, no fucker in Cape Side helping Dawson out. But then I suppose if they feel anywhere near the way we feel about Dawson, I'd leave him to it as well, to be perfectly honest. So, who knows? Is Mr Brooks the white uh, speedboat of privilege? He'd love it. He'd pick up all yeah, the Yeah, where are Mitch and Gale in this fucking mess? 
oh, work out how they managed to conceive a child. <laughs> you didn't put it in the arse, mate. Serious you mistake. You had one job. One job. It's fatal mistake. So then we've got Jenna at locker and she sees Jack, who is at his smouldering best. He smoulders a number of times in this episode, which I really, really appreciated. He's so hot. He is absolutely on fire, smouldering away in fucking fury. Anyway, Jack storms off and then we've got someone putting their hands over Jen's eyes and saying, guess who? It's clearly Drew, the fucking psychopath. And Jen says, rough skin and questionable order. If I were a betting woman, I'd say it's my least favourite person on earth. Drew would not have rough skin. Drew's had a life of No, he, he, he absolutely... Oh, Unless Drew's a full his from Bratman. ranking himself raw over looking no! at pictures of himself. Yeah, he is Patrick Bratman, so he would just spend every he's day... He's using like, hand lotion. You know the Patrick Bratman uh, opening scene where he's like, and then I do this face mask and then I do that. Yeah, and, that's yeah. exactly Drew. He, he does not he have is, He's using hand. lotion. He does not have rough hands. But um, Drew's response is wrong. It's me. And Jen says, like, <laughs> we, I thought. You made him sound fancy. <laughs> I know, yeah. I did actually. It's funny, isn't it? He's a total fucking psychopath. But Jen says, I thought we'd come to an understanding. And he's like, what understanding? And she says, curl up and die. The good of hair and society or something like that. Oh, for fuck's sake. And he's like, I'd welcome a round of banter, but there's something we need to address. And I've been getting the vibe from your little friendship group that they think I'm a bad influence. No. No. And he can't have them not... The language Drew uses in this episode is really, really interesting. It's really infantile and weird. Yeah, he is. He's the same kind of wanting to get a rise out of people, wanting to pick at people, wanting to destroy lives because his life isn't perfect. I don't know. I am still biased because he's got floppy black hair. Sorry. Yeah, well, I know. I know. But... He says, so, and it comes up again later about, like, I can't have your friends not wanting to play with me. How will I occupy my time? And Jen's basically like, because of you, my friends aren't talking to me. They're not talking to me. And Drew says, not even the precious Jack. And Jen then says, I mean, this doesn't make sense. She's like, right, my friends aren't talking to me. And then she's like, anyway, it's none of your business. And Drew says, I don't mix business with pleasure, but nothing gives me as much pleasure than to see you and your buddies conflicted. Like, all right, Abby Morgan, calm down. Please put Drew in a feather jacket and some leopard print. I would love to see that. <laughs> so would I, but for horrible reasons. Oh, but what Drew, what Drew says is he didn't think it'd be this easy to like cause so much trouble. And he says, like, I didn't think it would be this easy causing this much trouble. And yet here you are avoiding them and talking to me. It's starting to feel like old times. And there's Drew's fucking obsession with old times coming back again. And Jen says, this is nothing like old times. Drew says, no matter who or what you did, I've always been there with you, not pretending to be. And then judging you afterwards. Can you say the same about your new friends? As with Abby Morgan and with Drew, the problem is that there's a bit of truth in it, isn't there? That's the problem with it all. Or that's the good thing about it all, is that with both of those characters, there was truth in it. Abby was awful and Drew is awful, but he's totally right here. And that's what you can't argue with. And Jen says, like, I can say this. I don't care if every friend I've ever had in Capeside never speaks to me again. I will not look to you for solace and support ever. And then Drew says, remember... That which does not kill me makes me more diabolical, which is a brilliant word. And that's all I've got about that scene. Diabolical. 
aka the devil is what that yeah exactly diablo himself all right oh, that, that, that was your contribution like was it for fuck's sake that was your contribution my, con- my contribution was he's, he's like the devil and then like a sexy shudder um, so my contribution is I am attracted to psychopaths. That's quite a big contribution. We do that. Moving already. on. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I, like I, that. See what I mean about this being dry. I feel like we're just going. And this happens in this scene. Yeah, this is and dry. This so then David Duchovny comes, and everyone gets abducted, and <laughs> somehow Joey is being abducted from Dana Scully's office and dropped randomly onto Gretchen's sofa. <laughs> with a blanket oh! like she's been there for weeks this is something like the truth is out there and what is the truth because this is weird because I was like where is pasty going and then he arrives at this house where there's a bike like hanging from the scene and a surfboard because gnarly right first off this house is fucking lovely do you remember the pharaoh and ball job no it's not it's a shithole remember this is all they could afford it's bless, a shithole bless their little privileged lives it's fucking by the beach. It's absolutely gorgeous. But also there's like a Potter's B&B flag at the yeah, doorway. This Did is why I was confused that? because I, I thought he was going right. into Joey's. Yes. It, like I was like. But then second, I was like, they've had a severe like weird redecoration. They must be going for like the gnarly surfers on back packing trips. You know, like the, the Jean Jean and Jean. <laughs> <laughs> kind of we're not know, letting go customers. of that either we're no, not letting go let's go for the foreign customers oh, Sean, this, Sean is a, this is a good business model let's go for the foreign customers because they might not be able to understand us when we start arguing about contraception and underage sex over the dining table it's a good business model <laughs> Bessie you go for it but it turns out it's not there and I saw somebody in the kitchen and I initially thought it was Bessie it's not it was Gretchen so Pacey comes in and he says Andy sends her best and then they start kissing because there is no better foreplay, I tell you now, dear listener, than that somebody telling you that they've just been at their ex's house for several hours. Fuck yeah, no, yeah. me all over. Oh my oh, God. Geez. Do me like Christ. you used to do her. So they start passing oh. off. And Joey's like, I wondered where you were all day. So not only has he come back and said, I was at my ex's, he also didn't bother saying he was going to the ex's. But you know what? Just finger me, it doesn't matter. Cool, cool, cool. And Gretchen's cool, cool, in the kitchen cool, cool. and sees all of this and is like, Bleh! and she's like, I don't mean to interrupt, <laughs> but can I remind you what day it is? And then we go through this like really trite conversation where Pacey's like Thursday and Gretchen's like, and what is that? And he's like, the day after Wednesday. And basically, it turns out that it's the day that Pacey was meant to have gone shopping. And this is all just a massive plot device to basically get Pacey out of the house to go shopping oh, so that Gretchen yeah. and Joey can talk. Wonderful. I get this. What okay. I don't get is yeah. Joey's been here for however long with no fucking pacey. Why didn't you bother having the conversation then, you fuckwits? Sorry, but Mercury retrograde. Pointless. Yeah, no, that's exactly pointless. what I thought. I was like, hang on a second. She sat on the sofa. Gretchen's there. What? Like, why wouldn't they just... Have the conversation at the beginning, so, then have Pacey come in. Pace, it would have been more dramatic yeah, if you'd had the conversation and then, and then have Pacey come and then, in. Or he'd have heard them or whatever. But yeah. Pacey leaves and Gretchen's like, right, quickly, tell me everything before the enemy returns to camp. Why didn't you tell her everything before the enemy even realised you needed to be back at camp? That even I'm not in the army, but that is shit planning. <laughs> I don't know why I said even I'm not in the army. Like people are going to be like, what? No, <laughs> really? <laughs> You're not hanging. No, a I know, I know. What? Thank fuck. Thank I fuck. Know. Everyone's like, you, 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 you just use that. You just use that title for for laughs, do you? Shits and giggles. 
So Joey pretends that there's something that she meant to ask and she basically says it's about avoiding college application dysphoria because Joey can't just say, how do you avoid um, writing your college applications? And Gretchen's like, you might be dating one, but you can't outwit a witter. Well, you can with uh, Leonard Skinner and a lack of contraception (laughs) or with uh, your abusive dad giving you a punch, but whatever. We won't get into all of that. So... Joey decides to tell her about the application for Williams and the fact that she needs the peer, whatever the fuck it is. And Gretchen basically just says what we've all said and says, have you asked Dawson yet? And Joey's like, oh, how dare you suggest that? And Joey says, if I ask him, what about Pacey? And no matter who she asks, somebody's going to get hurt. Which we knew from the beginning. This was like going to be one of the the narrative. I'm over it already, like for fuck's sake. Um, Gretchen says that she understands but it shouldn't be Joey that gets hurt by default and at the end of the day they want the person who knows their best to answer not the person she happens to be dating and that's true although I guess Joey could argue that her and Pacey went away for three months on a boat and you do get to know somebody extremely quickly and in a very different way in those circumstances not enough to fuck them I mean I'd, I'd fuck you after Apparently three months not. on a boat 100%. Catherine's just made a mental weeks. note, never ever invite Katie away for three months. Three weeks, I would say. <laughs> like that. I'm in there. Anyway, so can we just three weeks, bored? a lot of vodka. How, no much, how much the little mermaid and like tell me your barnacle or whatever the fuck it was last week would we get through before we were <laughs> barnacle like, we've literally got nothing to do. There's no men. Should we just try scissoring and see if it's logistically possible? What the fuck, like what we get out of it? You know, we'll just, we'll try. <laughs> Chalk it down to it. We're we'll, we'll, ch- we'll, we'll chalk it down to science. Neither of us could sail. <laughs> so actually, before we got to three weeks, we'd have both died in a horrible, Definitely. horrible semen-induced death, and not the kind that we thought we'd go out in. So Gretchen basically says that you know she needs to answer the question. No fucking shit. And Joey's like, should so I ask Dawson? No, sorry, sorry, so I got stupid. that the wrong way around because I don't give a shit about it. Joey basically no, says, to Gretchen, I, I, I don't should I it. ask Dawson? And Gretchen's like, you should answer the question. And I'm like, Which we've not moved on from this. We've got no answers, and I don't fucking care. And then we go to reform bad dad, who's now an amazing bad dad, and oh. how, who we now know is dead dad. And oh. it's really, really sad. It makes it more sad. So and he's sad. with Andy, and they're both watching the TV, but neither of them are really watching it. And Andy's like, I can change the channel. And then they both realise that they're not into it. And amazing dad says look I've been watching you for the last week and thinking that I've made so many mistakes with my family and I want to fix it and Andy's like you don't have to but he wants to and he says that he's talked to the principal she's got more than enough credits to graduate right now and with her early acceptance to university all she really needs to do is what just, like, does that mean Katie honestly just, like I can't I assume you've got to get a certain amount of credits to graduate but if you've got a Harvard I know but can you imagine more just credits, fucking finishing the year getting more credits is probably but his point than is, just going she's already been accepted so if you've already yeah. been accepted can you just fuck on off clearly you can just fuck on off to clearly Florence you can just fuck it just off. won't matter I've just given away that the, the I know but no but like I know I keep saying this, but and also our like English listeners are like fucking hell, Catherine. We know, but like we do, ha- like about fifty percent of our listeners are in the US and in the UK. You have to finish the year and do all the exams because you get unconditional you get the US and the UK system. And if you don't yeah, make but, that, you get told to get to fuck. Yeah, but so Harvard got, would like, just so go. Oh, what you went to is... Florence instead? Oh no, actually, they go. You went to Florence. Oh wow, but amazing dad That's has exactly what Florence too. Do. Come on in even more. But you know exactly. But the 
in the UK, you've got to sit all of the fucking exams at the end of the well, year. That's what you you've just got get to credits. do. And yeah, the way that so you, you, the way that you get, get like, credits, like I know credits, you can get it's extra like credits, baffling. but then you would just sit and do like loads of extracurricular work and not actually do the work you meant. I don't know. We'll, we'll consult with the vet at some point. But it turns out that Andy has an aunt called. Yvette is going to be so busy when she visits the UK. Who She's she like, is. no, 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 ladies. We'll get, no. Her on, we'll get her on one of our podcasts and we'll just be deferring to her. Right, it's just going to be, no, we'll we'll do a bonus episode. This is what we'll actually do where Yvette explains to the UK Everything. listeners. What Explains the life. fuck is going on? That's a really good idea. Life, at so, life, and everything. It's fannies versus. Sorry, we've got fannies. carried away. So it turns out that she's got an aunt Georgia who sounds so much better than Zen Gwen already. Like Zen Gwen in the country harassing a horse. There's another aunt. Or go, to, or go to Florence with Aunt Georgia who lives in Florence. End of story. So Andy's like, "What do you want me to do? Get a job?" And bad dad now amazing dad is like no that's not exactly what I had in mind I was trying to remember the last time I saw you relax properly relax with no responsibilities no burdens and no worries and then he remembered that summer in Florence with Aunt Georgia and Andy's face instantly melts or she's took another pill I don't know but she's like really like happy and like about to stroke his hair and say oh really nice let's get on an inflatable and chem ourselves to death (laughs) and amazing dad's like I remember you went to this market and you were just running from car Cart charming everyone. I've met Italian people. I've met Andy. She wasn't charming them. And Andy's like, she was annoying them. Andy's like, I was 11. And he was like, you were free. I'm not saying Italians are twats, by the we way. Were I'm saying that nobody's going to be charmed by like uh, a, like, and, yeah, by a, what's the a, word? A Preco- American, precocious American 11-year-old. Yeah. Oh, look at your words. Um, that was the worst American accent ever. And now the 50% of American listeners that we did have, we no longer have. Please come back. <laughs> Please, please come back. Um, and dad's like, oh, look, I'm sure she would love to have you. And Andy's like, I don't know what to do. And amazing dad says, look, the last four years have been hard and trust him, the next four years will be even harder. Probably not because she probably won't end up in a mental facility, losing her brother, losing her partner and all the rest of it. It's just education, which I know, Andy I think, loves. I hope, I hope for Andy's sake. It's that not that bad. Also, she won't Christ. nearly chem herself to death on an inflatable, but whatever. Maybe bad dad predicts things amazing dad sorry so he asks her to think about it and I've put in my notes please be my dad because of course and oh, then God. we go and to... you put that before you knew as well I did oh, okay. Mercury oh, sorry I feel like you've you've lost another dad I feel I've lost my dad twice no oh, <laughs> I really haven't seriously I didn't know him he's a twat not bad dad we love him we love bad dad reform I feel like I know bad dad reform better than my own dad it's all good so we go back to Jack and he's amazingly retro laptop and it tells him you've got mail and it's right can I just say we've had so many messages that said AOL did do this oh well there was it that whole time we, we had mail. this you're gonna say we've had this discussion already but we did have it about um the you've got mail film the Tom Hanks Meg Ryan film yeah yeah but I kind of I don't know like do you just still not believe it no, like I thought that it was just like a like a, a notification. I didn't think it was like literally something that went. You've got presumably you can turn it on or off. I, don't I love know. it anyway. I love, I love it, it. and I feel it. like it needs to make a comeback. If my whole life was an email and every thirty seconds I didn't have something going, you've got mail. I would love that, but I suppose in the early days. It was like really exciting, wasn't it? To get See, a, you've well, got mail. this is the thing because, because only I two people was, were emailing you. The only 
mail that he's got is from Jem. And I, I looked at my emails. Jen? I have currently got, and I'll post this if nobody believes it, 142,940 unread emails. That's just by unread yeah, ones. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty. Because I am like weirdly anxious and don't read anything. So if anyone's emailed me, I'm sorry. I'll get back to you next year. <laughs> never. I'll get back to you never. Yeah, so Jack sighs and Andy sees it and he's like, you can't just keep avoiding it. And I was like, Jen, why haven't you gone for the tried and tested? Hang around near a body of water until Jack appears because that's what everybody nobody emails anybody when they've got some beef to talk about they just hang around near water and the person appears but obviously she's not got 100% so Andy says you can't keep avoiding her and Jack's like it's not a conversation that I'm willing to have right now and Andy says well my dad wants me to have the rest of the air off how's that for a conversation and Jack's like off what off your face Andy off your face off your tits hemmed hemmed off your tits on an inflatable that's what dad wants for me that's what dad wants it's what he would have wanted and andy says off everything although she hasn't sort of made any formal decisions or plans because this is andy and she's got to sort of back it up with a disclaimer and jack's like so you get to have the last year of senior high off with no homework where does he sign up and andy says it wouldn't be in cape side it would be in florence and jack's like with aunt g we haven't seen her in forever but you still call her aunt g I mean, God. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, Andy, fair enough. and Andy says, oh, you know, and she gets all misty-eyed again or wrecked off her tits, whatever, and says, remember how much I loved it. And Jack, because he's in a pissy mood, and this is a bit bad Jack, really, even though he's smouldering. Jack's just like, I'm sorry, but it just seems like you would be running away. Oh, well, I think that there's a lot to be said about this conversation between Jack and Andy, and especially what Andy did to Jack when he didn't particularly want to leave Grams and Jen, but did for Andy. So I can kind I know Jack's in a pissy mood. It is Mercury retrograde at Cape Side also here. But he, I wonder if there's a part of Jack that's like, I fucking came back here for you. But then also to be, to be all, in all fairness to, to Andy, bad dad is reformed entirely. So it's not like it's the worst thing he ever did was come back. But what Jack says is like, you've been, Baby, bad come, Jack, back. come back. Sorry, bad Jack, bad dad. <laughs> we were trying to do yeah, we, the, the regular musical interlude that everyone hates, including us, but it's become a fixture. <laughs> and yeah, Mercury Retrograde even fucked that up for us. Fuck you, Mercury. <laughs> no, don't, don't no, be no, nice Mercury, to it. Don't I love it. you. Thanks, Mercury. Love Mercury, you. you're amazing. You. I'm so love glad you, you came in and my life up for the past This is like, uh, this is not e- evergreen at all, is it? Because like literally when we release this episode, it will no longer be Mercury Retrograde. Thank no. absolutely. And we don't fuck. know what's happened. They will it probably be our a behavior. grave song going oh, up God, with Kate, Kate, Katie Dykes. Kemmed off her tits in an inflatable. <laughs> rest, rest her. Who knows soul, what could happen in the next few days? I don't say that because now it feels like we're challenging Mercury. We shouldn't be doing this Mercury again. We love you. Anyone who's still got here and is still sort of putting up with this complete mental breakdown that we're both having, I appreciate it. You had a lot to say we about this. You. I don't even know where the fuck we are. So go on. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, Jack says, <laughs> you've been looking forward to seeing you. Yeah, and here it is. And you want to leave. And which I think is a bit like, emotionally manipulative of Jack but I have to say Andy did something yeah you can look forward to loads of things and then be like in season three yeah. yeah exactly and he's like you know you've got six months of zero responsibility but you can be surrounded by family and friends and Andy's like friends who don't fucking like each other Jack 
And Jack says, that's my point. Do you want to leave while you're the only one that everyone... No, Jack says, that's my point. Do you want to leave while you're the only one everyone's talking to? Is that your argument, Jack? Yeah. I'll be fucking off for the hills. That is too... I can barely cope with, like, maintaining my friendships as it is. If all of that was put on me, you would not see me for dust. Be off my tits on an inflatable. Well, what Andy rightly says is, you make this sound like there's no valid reason for me to go, which there clearly is, that being one of them. And Jack says, and Jack, again, emotionally manipulative, and I get why Jack's doing it. It's not who Jack is, though. Jack's a really, no. really understanding, no. sensitive person. But he says, I always just so passive aggressive. I always pictured you as the girl who didn't just go to the last party of senior year, but threw it. You'd leave and miss the end. I mean, the All la- of it. The last party she went to didn't go too well, Jack. Maybe not bring exactly. It back, yeah. And he says it's not something I thought you would ever do. But then again, I guess oh. I've been making that mistake about a lot of people Projection. nowadays. Jack, but also Jack, it's not about you. Like every everything your sister's been through, and I know that like she did this to him, particularly in that weekend. everything she's been through. It's not about you. That was meant to be Brian Adams. Um, if anyone was wondering, do you see what I was trying to do? It, 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 I mean, I did, but it wasn't very good. It never is. <laughs> There's no but drug like this me. drug, and the one drug I shouldn't have more of came off my face all over the place. Oh, in an inflatable fun house all the way <laughs> oh. oh god anyway Andy's told Jack she's yeah. going she's probably going to go let's just end this scene yeah. before we sing anything else get over it Jack and apologies again to everybody for that we're sorry <laughs> oh god anyway we're back at school next and Jenny's going into an office and in that office appears to be Mitch, which straight away, you know, is fucking bad news, don't you? Grams is there. Mrs. Valentine, who we haven't seen since she fucked a hurricane up Riley. Bitch Valentine. Bitch Valentine. And there's a police officer there as well. And Jen's like, right, what's shit be serious? What's going on? Shit be serious. Like, it, yeah. it can't be that serious if the only guidance counsellor that I could find was Mitch, who masqueraded, <laughs> masqueraded as one for like half a day, was really shit, blew a load of confidentiality rules out of the water and then got sent back to be a soccer coach. But anyway. Well, we find out that the police officer present is Officer Morris from Juvenile Correction. Doug was obviously busy that day. And, yeah. and I mentioned it earlier. For fuck's sake, the police in Capeside, no one gives a shit, I wear. Um. And Jen's like, right, what on earth is going on? And then we see that Drew's in the room. So Drew sort of sat and he's like, he's such Dude, a fucking... He? Sort of in the corner, stone, like this looming oh, presence. A stone-cold psychopath, Drew is, honestly. And he's like, I had to tell them, Jen. And then he uses this language that he used earlier in the episode. We've been very naughty, is what he says. No, naughty, naughty, very naughty. naughty. Yeah, Ebenezer good naughty. coming back again. <laughs> it's, it's like we've been very naughty, naughty kids. And you just think if I was a teacher or a juvenile correction person, I would just be like, you are a piss take, mate. You don't speak like that. Um, but apparently none of the assembled adults think that there's well, anything no, of course wrong they don't. with this dripping sarcasm. But you'd also hope that one of them had got, he's going to end up murdering people. Him. It's how Sebastian talks in Cruel Intentions. Yes! 
But we've said this, very haven't we? Sebastian. Yes, very Sebastian. He is very Sebastian and cruel intentions. If Sebastian and, and Patrick Bateman had a child, it would be Drew. It would be Patrick Bratton. I would like to watch the video of the con- of the conceiving, but anyway. I've got some um, news for you, Katie, about that. <laughs> so oh, basically, yeah, yeah Drew, <laughs> Drew's told them about the ecstasy and their contribution to the delinquency of poor Andy McPhee. And Jen's like, do not believe a word he says. She goes to say he's the, and then bitch Valentine is like a victim. That's what he is, a victim of awful, awful, manipulative Jen. And Drew carries on. He's like, it's not about punishment. It's about prevention. And Jen's like, are you buying this crap? And Grams is like, Jen. And I'm like, you just found out your daughter like gave somebody E. Let's not worry about using the word crap, Grams. But whatever, you know, whatever your hierarchy of um, issues are. Um, (laughs) Where your boundaries lie, Grams. Wherever your boundaries are, Grams. Supplying E to Andy, fine, but do not say crap. And Drew basically kind of turns it around and says, you know, he's saying that we don't have a past that's speckled, speckled with recreational drug use. Speckled. Such a weird thing to say. What like, my, you? have you ever taken drugs? Well, my past was speckled with recreation. <laughs> it's just fucking weird, Drew, seriously. And Jen says that she isn't saying that that isn't the case um but that's the past and the present is very different and then she starts Mm. to appeal to grams and she's like look you know me ask me ask me and grams doesn't really do anything and drew says look he's admitted his part he's admitted that he gave the drugs to jen and they somehow got from her hands into andy's nervous system i can imagine andy having a very nervous nervous system exactly yeah maybe that's why she reacted so badly and he says do i fib and mrs valentine comes in at this point bitch valentine and she's like you know by coming forward he's showing that he's ready to tackle these issues and Mitch with no fucking irony whatsoever because he's thick is like yeah we appreciate Drew's forthcoming nature Jesus Christ what the officer says yeah because you came forward we reckon that 100 hours community service will just about do it and yet Dawson's worried about Mr fucking Brooks pressing charges exactly this guy is a juvenile correctional officer so they haven't just got Cape Side's finest witter and witter over there to kind of like brandish a gun and do bad things they've got somebody who's specifically shine trained a torch in this in your and eyes. shine a torch in your eyes whilst holding a gun to your head and asking <laughs> if you've seen any milfs in need of shelter but this guy you know he must specialize in this kind of thing and supplying a drug that i mean supplying a drug that leads to a death is a definite prison sentence but yep. supplying a drug that could have led to a death it feels like they would get more than just 100 hours community service it feels like the the juvenile officer was just like i can't be fucked with this can't um, be I've fucked got, with this i've man. got actual delinquent children to deal with not cape sides rich does kids he really like, though in cape I side, no i know but maybe cape. he's the only juvenile police officer and he serves like everywhere and he occasionally goes to boston where there's real problems or maybe they even brought him in from the sodom and gomorrah that is new york i don't know but he's clearly well and truly fucking past it and gives a really weird punishment that kind of feels like the punishment that uh matt caulfield should have got for the painting over of the mural but whatever oh, nothing yes. no no punishment ever given out in Dawson's Creek fits Makes it's either way way too lenient or it's completely flippant it's just stupid so I don't know why I'm even bothering getting into this I know so I can't Grams... believe we've had such a long discussion about it this punishment doesn't make any sense it, none of this crap. makes any sense so Grams oh, really, gets ladies, up and leaves oh, really. 
she does she's she storms off and um jen goes to follow her and drew says to jen catches her up and says that they can meet up later to discuss which part of the community is most in need of servicing you uh, absolute twat bag absolute 100 percent massive twat bag so jen's like Oh, and actually, do you know what's unsettling about all of this? And like, I, weirdly, this is how interesting we are, is another conversation we had on the phone earlier, that Abby was just a lot more fun with it. I, I think I've yeah. said it before. This is sinister, this. Abby would this have is. never put herself out, and that's kind of what makes her fun. But Drew is literally putting himself out to get at Jen. He is yeah. now going to have to do this community service with her to get her, and it's sinister. There's it a is really twist. that he's willing to do anything to get to his end goal does kind of mark him. It does or take him from the common garden sociopath into the psychopath. Exactly, but it is so psychotic. How much effort do you want to put in to get Jen back to where she used to be, Drew? And that's why I just don't think he's as fun as as Abby. Though, as a character, I appreciate him because at least he's giving Jen something to have some sort of storyline that isn't fucking a boyfriend. And I know that Drew is a man, and I've said before, I don't like the fact that her storylines have to revolve around men, but this character could easily be a woman. Does that make sense? Yeah. And in some ways, I'm kind of glad. I'm glad that it's man. Because, yeah. Because I don't know if it'd be more or less sinister. Yeah, I think women are kind of seen as more sort of like bitchy, manipulative people, but when they need a psychopath, they use a man, which more men are psychopaths, or at least not as good as hiding it as women. <laughs> so, yeah, Jen <clears throat> follows Grams out and is like, basically, shall I pack my bags now or after dinner? And Grams, I'm going to let you do this because I've got a feeling you probably quite appreciated it. Grams's response to Jen at this point. Yeah, I mean, it, it was really quite, I mean, she doesn't start singing on with Christian Soldier, which is good, but which, it, it's quite heartfelt. It happen eventually because she's so committed will. to it. Or like so to committed. try and exercise her, um, as in, in an exorcist kind of way, not as in get her on her peloton, but anyway. So Grams basically says that she, think, she thought that they had a relationship that was built on honesty and trust, and she will not talk to her like a child. And if anything, you know, she wishes that she knew how she could help her, but she's never in her life been so deeply disappointed in anyone or anything. And this is the person who gave birth to Jen's mother. So <laughs> after saying all these words, she then goes, I don't even have the words. Well, you do. You do. <laughs> you do and you have. There's something that like I thought was quite unsettling about like, I'm not going to yell or punish because that's for children. And I yes. wish that you were still a child because we might be able to work like sort that, out sorry, what's wrong that was with it. I'm, I misinterpreted like, what she said. And oh, I think it, it's what it's one of those quite interesting things because, you know, when you really fucked up as a kid and yeah. your parents didn't yell and they didn't punish you and they did the whole I'm just really really disappointed in you and it was so much worse than if they'd have just gone batshit and like grounded you and you're like I'm really fucking for it now so in a way she has kind of treated her like a child but also when Grams and Jen had that conversation when Grams thought Jen had lost her virginity and she was deeply disappointed in her again but then literally drove her to Henry to deflower him don't know what happened there grams but they established these boundaries and jen had said look i will tell you things i thought we'd you know establish this trust and all the way through these two scenes in the classroom with the police people and mitch and whoever and outside the school grams hasn't once said what's your side of the story then exactly you, know, you said you've changed which is quite harsh because every single person is just 
turned the back on Jen, including the one person. This is what I mean. No one fucking listens to Jen. Do you know what? Her part in it is perfectly reasonable. Drew, give her drugs. Yeah, she didn't throw them away because she was clearly pontificating on them for better. He was expensive as well. And they were big pills. Andy took the drugs. Do you know what I mean? And yet Jen seems to be bearing the brunt of all of this bullshit. And for Grams, I totally agree. For Grams not to go, what what happened? Tell me your side of the story. Anyway, moving on to yet again, Jen being the fucking victim of someone's ire for absolutely no reason. Jen turns up at Jack's house. Jack opens the door and basically Jen says, like, I'm really surprised that you are back. And he's like, I didn't. I didn't. He's got the smolder on, which I appreciate about him. He's very good looking. And he's like, yeah, I didn't. And it was Andy, of course, it was Andy. And Jen says she probably thought it was the only way she could get us back together. And break the silence. To break the silence. And Jack says, well, that would require for both of us to want to break it, wouldn't it? Then he goes to walk away, but leaves the door lying open. And I, again, like, I know it's always... It is a big old heavy, go, rich door. I understand. <laughs> I can't, they I probably can't need staff to shut it for them. <laughs> I can't even be bothered to slam this fucking heavy door in your face. Because Jen follows him in and says, like, come on, Jack, what do you want? What do you want from me? At some point, you need to tell me how to fix it. And she's like, do you want me to say, I'm sorry, I've apologised, I've apologised for things that my, are my fault. I've apologised for things that I don't even think are my fault. What like your you sister want? nicking drugs off me. Well, exactly. And she's like, I'm 17 and I've made mistakes. Like, I just find this whole thing so frustrating because she's right 17 and I did something stupid but when you're close to somebody and they do something unexplained you don't just abandon them you talk to them about it and you ask them what happened and you try to understand and you of all people should understand that which I'm not too sure about this I'm assuming what she's doing is equating Jack's homosexuality with this which isn't something unexplained I I I think she's I I felt a bit funny about that but I guess what she's trying to say is you know what it's like when someone makes a snap judgment about you which a lot of people have done probably better to say that homosexuality but it is better than to sort of equate uh, drug dealing with homosexuality but anyway, it, it's really, really difficult because Jen has already been through so much with yeah. the scene with their grandma and there's only so much a person could take. Like, I was genuinely worried for her well-being here. I just felt really bad for her because she says, you know... What, she what had, like, do- the bravery to go to Jack's yeah. after that. But she said, like, what you're doing is not right. What you're doing to me, I would never do to anyone, especially not you. And I think that that is such a good really point important. because yeah jack might be incredibly upset with jen but yeah we'll say it one more time no fucker is listening to jen or asking her no although one. she did lose her ever loving shit when he set her up on a date with henry but anyway she had every right to she did it turns out she did i shouldn't really bring it up because it just brings up my um terrible terrible misjudgment of character <laughs> So Jen walks away and Andy's kind of lurking in the massive hallway and Jack says there now we've talked do you get it nothing you do is ever going to fix this which I just think is so fucking hyperbolic sorry but it is it is So then we've got Joey at Dawson's and she goes to his front door and she sort of stands there. She doesn't knock and then she clearly goes to leave. And at that point, she sees him approaching with all the paint stuff and offers to help him. Is Dawson just doing this? Like when everyone's at school, Dawson seems to be just doing this. Like not only is he giving up his college application, 
giving up his actual education. education. I don't know what, like, I don't think they're at school. I sort of got the impression that it was maybe a weekend. I don't know. Who knows? Time in Dawson's Creek. He rightly makes the point something tells me that you didn't come over to help me and um did you finally realize how wrong it is that i've been working off our debt to mr brooks alone which is such a valid point i thought that was a nice little thing because yeah she's joey's just got away with it totally scot free oh dawson loves a bit of passive aggression he loves it It was a bit of snark but it was a bit of well-placed snark and when he was carrying all the paint i did think to myself what happened to joey's art What happened to the wall? Percy you know that she was so, so, so serious about and has never been mentioned again. But anyway. She should be all over that shit. She should love painting. And white picket fences. Joey loves white picket fences. So you think she absolutely does. I know you'd think that she'd be on it. But no. So Joey kind of brushes over the little dig and she's like, oh yeah, I'm forever in your debt, blah, blah, blah. And we get this sort of like fairly nauseating scene where it Dawson's like, are you going to ask me? And Joey's like, ask what? And he says, you've got your favour face on. And Joey's like, no, I haven't. And then he says, now you've got your lying face on. Because you know he knows her so well, people. He knows her so, he knows well, her so well, everyone. Who knows Joey best? Who knows Joey And best? if a person you're in a relationship with doesn't realise you've got a favour face and a liar face... Go you. <laughs> <laughs> then what you've got is a good poker face. You what you've got is a really good poker face. So Joey goes to explain, but in the end, she just hands in the form, and Dawson can read and goes, "Person who knows the best reads the title," and then he just goes, "Wow, wow,", wow. <laughs> and Joey's like, "You've already said that." And she asks him what he thinks, and Dawson's like, what do you think, and are you sure that I'm the right person? And she says that he is, he's the only person who knows she's got a favour face. I mean, Joey, you've got a resting bitch face. It might delineate into different sort of levels of resting bitch face, (laughs) but that is truly, you've got a beautiful face, but that is the only face face. you have. And also a resting bitch face is one of my favourite things about her. It's absolutely epic, a resting bitch face, and I wish it was mine for a number of different reasons. Yeah. But yeah, basically, Dawson also asks, does Pacey know? And Joey says, no, but he will if you say yes. So she asks him to think about it and let her know, and he says that he will. So I just sort of feel like this episode, it's ticking along in it, and things are happening, but I'll say it one more time, it's a bit dry, and there's only so yeah. many times that your host can sing Brian Adams to try and um, moisten yeah, it Yeah, I mean, yeah, we our moist opening has fully dried up again, and not even David Duchovny's <laughs> battered banana can get it wet again. Although, never say never. We'll try our best. We will try our best. So Mr. We go to Mr. Brooks' house and Dawson's still yeah. fucking painting it, like for fuck's sake. And I did think, because Mr. Brooks has obviously got this beautiful rich person, Cape Side House, but do you remember when his house was described practically as some shack on the outskirts of town yeah. next to the <laughs> next to the daytime, the nighttime three-legged strip club. dog? And where is the three-legged dog? Not seen hide nor hair of Boo. That's a really good point, actually. <laughs> where is Boo? Free Boo. So he's looking at Joey's form, which appears to just be on the floor and hasn't blown away, but whatever. <laughs> and Mr. Brooks, the host with the most, comes out and says that unless he wants to starve to death, he better get in here. So Dawson goes in and does his lurky best, just looking at Mr. Brooks's <laughs> personal effects. And there's lots of happy family <laughs> yeah, photos on the wall. Really, really. Also, I couldn't work out whether Mr. Brooks's wallpaper was amazing or awful. It was one of those, you know, feature wall wallpapers. It was retro. It was very retro. Yeah, I was sort of in two minds about whether this was going to be our new Pharaoh and Ball and that suddenly we were going to be finding, like, wallpapers like Mr Brooks. Nothing will ever quite be more Angry Brooks, will it? Red. (laughs) So 
Mr Brooks has made lunch for them, which I guess is a bit of a peace offering. And it's very much starting to remind me, I don't know whether you've ever read a book, it's a Swedish book, but you can get it in English because I don't speak or read Swedish. And it's called A Man Called Ove. It's really good. It's quite, right. um, it's a dead easy read. It's quite sad. It's quite heartbreaking, but it's about somebody who befriends a grumpy old man and then finds out lots of things about why he's a grumpy old man and all the rest of it. And it is effectively what's going on here. So Dawson sits oh, down it's and a tale of old as fucking time. It's a tale as old as Mr. Brooks's. <laughs> so Dawson tastes his food and he's like, oh, this is actually really good. Would you like to come and work at my mum's fishy surprise? He eats one bite and he's he like, like, Mr. Like, Brooks, he, this is yeah, great. He's like, had fucking... like a tiny bit of fucking bell pepper or like like and he nearly has an orgasm like i know life's been a bit crap dawson but really (laughs) and mr brooks of course can't really take a compliment and uh mr brooks is like you're not one of them are you and i honestly thought he was gonna say are you gay because only gays really like the taste of fancy food and i was like oh fuck where's this going but it turns out he's talking about somebody who can't enjoy a moment of silence during dinner and the dinner table is for eating and silence He's cleaning it and never at near me because I do not eat silently. (laughs) I am a disgusting, disgraceful eater. I barely even like get my mouth sometimes, and I'm just like (laughs) in the middle of talking and just spewing food or not literally spewing food. Invite me for dinner, people. I am a hoot. I know. I was just thinking, I'm having dinner with you next week. Can't wait. (laughs) You've seen me eat a lot, literally yeah, a lot. a lot. So, yeah, Mr. Brooks just goes on a rant and basically sort of accuses Dawson of having no friends. Um, well, no, because what Dawson says is, oh, I'll just go and eat outside. And actually, what Mr. Brooks says is quite a decent read of it all. He says, that's why none of your friends are ever here to help you. It's because you don't face your issues. You just take them outside. Which is actually, essentially what he's saying is Dawson is massively non Check out the books on Brooks. I know, absolutely. And he says, you keep on behaving like this, you'll be doing more than painting alone. And Dawson, in a startling change of character, is like, well, what about you? Yeah, you Dawson's criticize me. arrogant twat, isn't he? Because anybody else, when an adult said that to you, especially a particularly grumpy old one who you were a favour to, you would just be like, yes, sir, no, sir. I'll go and eat my food in the scullery. And Dawson's like, well, what about you? Look at all these pictures of people on I your know. wall. Where are they? Like, you nosy, nosy, arrogant twat. But also, Dawson, he's Keep old. Keep your forehead probably out. Probably dead. Probably like, dead. Like, boo. Bit of sensitivity, Dawson, for fuck's sake. Well, actually, no. Mr. Brooks apparently doesn't mind having like a 17 year old kick off at him because Dawson says, I'd say you've got the opposite problem. Where are all of where are all of these pictures in your life? Which I have to say is quite a clever play on words. So I appreciate that. And what we find out is that Mr. Brooks does have brothers and they asked the Brooks him for brothers. money. The Brooks brothers, yeah. Maybe the uh, failed business was when they set up a suit hire company. This is probably a joke <laughs> that's not going to reach anyone outside of England, but there's a suit hire company called the Brooks Brothers, which originally, when suits were really expensive, I assume did a roaring trade, but now you can pick up a suit off ASOS for about 30 quid. So this yeah. is quite funny because he says that they had a business proposition and he loaned them money and then the business proposition went to shit. So it turns out that Mr. Brooks is one of the Brooks Brothers. Interesting. I've just made that up. But But he was saying his gut told him, no, the time was wrong and he did it anywhere and it essentially fucked everything up. And I was sort of thinking, are your brothers not talking to you anymore because you loaned the money and they fucked it up? That also seems pretty unfair. I feel like Mr. Brooks is a bit of a gen putting it out there. Yeah, agreed. (laughs) 
Maybe he used to double drop at 14 in Bungalow. Maybe he did. <laughs> but he says the business lost a lot and so did I. And he says, as you take on years, you realise you don't always lose people in your life from choice. Sometimes it happens when you make the wrong ones. So obviously a huge amount about asking questions and making choices and forgiveness and doing the right thing is really coming out of this episode yeah. i'm yeah, really trying to it's about losing people yeah a lot of it's about losing people as well and, and whether that's intentional or yeah. whether you try and get them back or whatever i mean it ugh, it's shit till the end let's be honest <laughs> it's shit no, till it's the a, end and then you go the through it all and then the fine. ending just sort of finished it is the message the messages are fine it's okay but um it's all just dry. Jo- i'm just finding it dry i'm finding it dry i'm not drunk enough I might Speaking of dry, dry what could make yeah. you wet? Here's Percy Wetter. Percy Wetter. <laughs> yes, it is, of course, our darling Percy. And he is bringing yet more books to Andy. I'll say it Have again. Why Jack off. isn't... <laughs> Seriously, you know, I would love Percy to be <laughs> banging on my bedroom door. Sounds like a shaggy song. <laughs> but just fuck off. You've got a girlfriend. It's all got weird. It's just odd. It's odd. You're in well, a bedroom with a girl that you used to fuck exactly. in that bedroom. She still but, wants to fuck you. Oh, it's just weird. Just leave but it. Why, it is It is weird. But also, I sort of feel like, why does he need to be bringing her books? Because it just creates this question. Why doesn't he pop, like, just pop round to see her and ask her if she's okay because he's friends with yeah, her? It feels like, like it's, just, it's all a bit, yeah, that, like, it's yeah. just a bit weird. It's I totally crap. agree with you. Joey is super tolerant and, and like we've been talking to people on Twitter like because people are saying like it is kind of unlike Joey to be to be so tolerant because she loves a BF does Joey but at the same time she's trying to keep the peace and then someone else said it's because they don't care about Percy so it doesn't matter if everything's a bit wonky with him and the writing doesn't really make sense because I don't think he'd be he would not have Joey's feelings in consideration around all of this does that make sense anyway yeah. But I like I was like, I think we're putting a lot of ourselves into it. And if I was Joey, I would be absolutely and utterly fucking beyond raging. I'd be I like, didn't, I, I would have done the old I don't thing. care if she was in hospital. I don't care. Stop fucking going around a house, especially when her brother can bring her work. I'd be losing my ever-loving mind about it. Yeah, I would as well. I'd have done the whole it's me or her. I don't care if she nearly died of E. A hundred percent, I'd be doing that. I don't care if she almost killed herself to death in an inflatable yeah. fun house. I'd like to say that that was the folly of jealous youth, but I'd still do it now. I'd bitch. still do it now too, all without <laughs> a shadow of a doubt, because I'm an insecure, horrible bitch. Anyway, where were we? So basically, Andy says she's got a secret. She needs to tell someone. She knows that this is kind of in their past, but she needs to tell someone. And he she's says, about yeah. to burst. Oh, she's God. about to burst, everybody. And he says, yeah, go ahead and tell me. And she says that her dad wants her to take the rest of the year out and go to Italy. And he says it's quite an offer. And she says she knows why he's making it. He's worried about her. And they've talked really, really a lot. Talked it's a different lot, this time. Yeah, because I think he's he's not worried about her, like when he just packed her off and sent her to a facility. He's genuinely been thinking. He doesn't think that she's going to go off the rails after the incident. He's not worried about um, mental health in yeah. terms of how she was before. He wants to see her happy, and it's lovely, and we love 
bad reformed amazing dad and I can't but anyway I know I know so yeah yeah. so she she says that and Pacey says what does Jack think and Andy says that she thought he would be the first person to help her pack but actually he gave her lots of sound arguments as to why she should stay no he didn't he threw an absolute bitch he did I didn't think that I was like I don't want you to go your friends are here that's literally what Jack said it turns out when I gaslight people into thinking that actually I was making a sound argument when really I was throwing my toys out of the pram I was making a sound <laughs> argument brilliant validated is, I think maybe if you just shout at people a lot this is a sound argument that hopefully yeah. they just just believe you I don't know. smashing plates well what Andy <laughs> says and in all fairness for fuck's sake Andy the McPhee's they're a pair and a half aren't they because she goes yeah but he left once too oh yeah and Pacey's <laughs> like yeah he went across the road not across the world like Andy, you meant you've just got into Harvard for fuck's sake. I know you're still a bit chemically woo off the end, but come on. And Andy says that her dad wants what's best for her health. And, and she, it's kind of like she's just realising this. She says, and her brother's being selfish out of love. Which Andy did last season. I'm going to say it one more yeah. time. Whenever, and we saw Massively Andy was being dragged selfish. away from grounds where love, there yeah. is an abundance Jack of milk. Jack milk everywhere. <laughs> Jack milk everywhere. Especially on his sheets. It was a time of discovery for him. So <laughs> Pacey says, look, basically, you want a tiebreaker. And Andy says, yes, and he's done it before. And, you know, he almost made a hobby out of saving her damsel in distress although well, no, he didn't and Andy's did. worried that <laughs> he, he was thinks, climbing well, he vines did. and everything yeah that was a bit creep but anyway um Andy's worried that she's sort of running away from things and Pacey sort of reframes it and says actually maybe that's what you need to try and run on your own for once right which this I is what I really like I thought this actually this scene was really really good yeah and I'll, I'll explain why so yeah Pacey says you saved yourself you just took me along for the ride she says why can't I save myself now why is the decision so hard and I think this concept of making difficult decisions in this episode is actually dealt with fairly well and she's like I'm running away I'm running away and Percy's like from what she says everything and I'm taking the easy way out and I will say about Dawson's Creek some aspects of mental health are dealt with in a decent manner yeah especially for the year 2000 where people didn't give a flying fuck about mental health let's be honest yeah so Percy says or this is exactly what you need to have the strength and the will to take the training wheels off and try riding on your own for a while. Andy says, I don't know if I can. And a lot of what happening is because of me, which is quite a lot of self-awareness there. And Pacey says, you spend way too much time worrying about everyone else. We all do, but it's your life and you get to live it. So you are the tiebreaker. Now, the stuff I liked about this is first off, do you know how Gretchen was saying earlier, you have to ask a witter. And actually, his advice is very similar to Gretchen's in the sense that you're the answer. You've got the answer. The answer is what you want. And I think that yeah. that's really, really important yeah. because I think that with difficult decisions and this is a difficult decision. And like Joey's decision to ask Percy or Dawson to write the peer reference is a difficult decision. I don't know why she wouldn't just like ask Andy before she pisses off to Italy because that she'd write something killer and that would save everyone. Do you know what I mean? But OK, but that the idea is that you already know the answer and also what you want is important, like even if it might put other people out a little bit what is best for you is dead in part and and that's why I like this scene and I thought that Percy would dealt with it well is to sort of say to Andy you're the tiebreaker and also this concept of it is not weak 
to think about yourself. Do you remember yes. ages ago I said to you and you loved yeah. it about like the idea of on an airplane, it's like you've got to put your own mask on first. Yeah. And that's what mental health is. You've got to look after yourself first because otherwise you're useless to other people. And if you consistently put other people first, other people first, other people first, then you're never going to be all right yourself. And that's what I liked about it. Maybe I'm, I'm thinking too much about it, but I thought Percy did a great job there. I'm only laughing because I don't know what this says about me. Well, I do. But I'm the kind of person who would expect somebody to, like my partner, who I was sat next to me, to help me put my mask on first and then worry about the room. <laughs> Because I'd be like, I don't understand. I need sake. help. Do it now. God, I'm awful. Anyway, moving on from that, I don't care. I'm a Leo. It's fine. I'm a Leo. Someone put my mask on, and then I die. <laughs> no, yeah, that's exactly where. Like they're like, put your own or a Leo's mask on first. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> Find a Leo. How to spot one? She'll have a massive designer bag, sunglasses, and heels on on a flight, looking like a twat. Yeah, there she is. <laughs> <laughs> and a massive just, mane of hair <laughs> she will abort vogue with no intention of reading it just to look like she does <laughs> there's going to be people coming up to me on planes going are you katie and i'm like yeah <laughs> i'm not going to put your mask on you twat so yeah it is it is a good message it is really good and yeah, i did enjoy it. that scene so then we go from a nice kind of relationship <gasps> to jen and drew who was sat, well, Drew's basically sort of pithily suggesting ideas about what their community service could be. Ugh. And Jen just tells them to shut up. I'm just going to make this noise throughout this entire scene. Ugh. And he calls her Jenny. Ugh. I'm drinking cider and it really repeats on me. So I'm going to pretend I'm making that noise, but actually I'm belching <laughs> and trying to hide it, which doesn't work. So he's basically saying that their little rift really kills him. And he thought that they were growing apart and they need some time together. And then Ugh. he does this really like horrible sleazy thing where he says he can just imagine them picking oh, up rubbish no, or, or trash or litter or whatever the fuck you call it in your country. And how the city trash. issue orange jumpsuit will hug her in all of the right places. We've all seen oranges, the new black. There are lots of different body shapes on there. Not a single fucking person looks good in an orange jumpsuit end of so Jen basically says look forget that you ever knew me and she says that she knows that you did this to look better than anybody else and to protect that inner I I, I can never say this Iago Iago of his which is really interesting because the character of Iago is obviously from Othello and it is widely kind of if you study Othello one of the things one of the themes that crops up is is he a psychopath and the answer is Yes. Yes. But with all Shakespearean things, I just have to laugh a little bit because it made me think about Othello. And basically the reasons that Iago is a psychopath is because he is manipulative, he's selfish, he's self-obsessed, he's insincere and all of those things. But he also does this like huge revenge plot, which mm-hmm. basically sort of accumulates in him making Othello think that Desdemona has been unfaithful. But Shakespeare yes. always kind of misses the point slightly. So Othello decides to kill Desdemona and then kills himself as a result of this. And everyone's like... Oh, yeah, goes a bit of a psychopath, isn't he? So is Othello, but it's a bit of an overreaction, mate. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's always the fucking women that suffer. Anyway. Absolutely. Oh, misogyny in Shakespearean times, everybody. But also, yeah, another Shakespearean reference. You can tell that some of the writers studied a bit of Shakespeare. <laughs> some of the writers went to school. Some of them didn't. Let's face it. So some Jen of them says, saw the film and got the wrong end of the stick. <laughs> When Leonardo DiCaprio did that, what was that that Juliet did? I also like to think that actually what what Jen is referencing is Jafar's parrot in Aladdin, who's called Iago. 
Is it? I've never seen Aladdin. Well, it can't. It must have come out a couple of two or three years before this. So, do you know what yeah. I mean? That's who she's referring to. It's not Shakespearean. Yeah, that, that is, that is probably true, actually. But <laughs> no, then, well, then we get this interesting kind of idea that's running through all of their conversations where yeah. Jen says no amount of apologizing is good enough for these people when they make their minds up about who you are and Drew's like that's accurate. what I have been trying to tell you these aren't your people he is her people the latter part not true but there has been this huge kind of Jen made one misstep that it was hardly anything to do with her and everyone was back to like it's Jenny from the block you know she's the, the NYC drug queen is here we should never have trusted her she was never our friend and it's awful and it's shit. Do you know what's also a little bit annoying about it is that they all know what Drew is because Gretchen says to Dawson last episode who's that person and Dawson is like did you ever meet Abby Morgan yeah so they yeah, know they what Drew is. is they all all know what he is yet still they all want to blame Jen and again I get like from a narrative point of view yeah. why they all need to blame Jen think, so the ending can happen blah 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 but it just needs to be done better it I think they realise that it's quite obnoxious however Jen deliberately hid her relationship with him from her friends so if she'd have said this guy was an absolute twat he's doing this that and the other maybe it would have been different but I, all I think is they've seen Drew he's made quite a few shitty comments to them they've picked up on the fact that he's an agent of chaos that he's a bit of a dick but they haven't kind of extrapolated it to realise that actually he's hugely manipulative and he is the driving force behind what happened, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. Because they don't know the full story. Um, but whatever, so... Right. Can we talk about this next scene? Because yes. not much happens I'd hope it, so, it because, is, like... It is bad. Well, yeah, because we have to talk about every single fucking scene. But it will be Bad Dad Reform's last scene. And it's basically, it's a very short scene. He says to Andy, I feel like you look better and you're getting better. And she says, yeah, I am. And, and everything seems to be going okay around here, doesn't it? And he's like, what do you mean? And she says, you and Jack, things are okay with you. And he says, yeah, yeah, they are. And Andy says, if you and Jack can work things out, then why can't Jen and Jack or Percy and Dawson or anyone? And he says, all it takes is to realise what you risk losing. But letting someone go. Is that what he says? Because I wrote that down and I was like, that's a strange turn of phrase. Did you? It's, it's, you've a, got it's a weird way of, Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I wrote it down the same because I thought it was weird because I thought he was trying to make a poignant remark because she's like, it you feels know, like I an thought, unfinished I thought, sentence. But it, it doesn't kind of, yeah, and nor does it make sense because he's it basically says, you know, I thought what he's trying to say was it takes realizing what you're losing to stop you from letting somebody go and he says it takes realizing what you're losing and letting somebody go makes no sense but we'll forgive him because he's wonderful now yeah it doesn't make any sense and I don't think that scene as a whole like basically it's nice to know that Jack and his dad have made things up and things are going all right the scene itself doesn't really bring a huge amount to the episode but obviously we're not going to talk about it too much at the end of the episode because we'll probably be in pieces at that point yeah I've watched the episode twice and I cried both times at the end. But um, yeah, like Bad Dad Reformed. I'm glad that it ended, this narrative ended like this. Yeah. So Very then we've, so. we're at water. So they're gonna. there's going to be some sort of conversation. Joey is sat on the jetty reading. Dawson turns up and is like, oh, you're doing tomorrow's reading. And she's like, oh, it's last night's reading because some guy staying at the B&B likes to sing when he's bathing. Blah, 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 blah. 
he gives her the reference back and says he can't do it. Well, no, what she says is he goes to give her the reference back and she says, either you're a fast writer, which I know you aren't, or you've come bearing bad news. And he says, I think about it. And again, it's this idea of a decision and a question and an answer to be given. And he says, I think about it. And the answer keeps coming back the same. I'm not the right person. I'm not the right person to write it. Not anymore. And she says, you did what I asked. So thank you very much. And he says, sorry, and turns around to leave and Percy stood directly behind him. Why Joey did not see Percy is beyond me, but okay. Dawson walks past Percy and goes, Percy, and Percy goes, Dawson. And then um, <laughs> Percy says, so, is that a little play date? So Percy, Percy. Yeah, it's literally just come Percy, back from a little so play date with Andy. Oh, you've been at Andy's all week and you want to get upset about this. And this is what I mean about the beautification of Dawson and the downward spiral of Percy. And it fucking does my head in because, again, Percy wouldn't be like this. He might spend time with Andy because he feels bad for her. He'd be like, hey, what's going on here? Yeah. Like, he wouldn't go into this. And Joey tells him about the peer recommendation and says, you know, he said no, he said no, so there's nothing more to say. And basically, it isn't nothing. That's nothing when you tell, when Joey tells him something, it's the some things that she keeps secret. And mm. Joey says that she knows this tone and it signifies the start of a really nasty conversation and she isn't up for sparring. And I found this a bit toxic. Like they're in the initial stages of a relationship and she already knows the tone of an argument. I was like, mm, don't but really also, like that. I did agree with Percy's next point. So she says, like, I'm not having it. I'm like, I'm over yeah. it. And Percy says, right, so you get to decide what we talk through, but you also decide what we get, what we let slide. Yeah. Were you ever going to tell me? And actually, that's really, really right. I think it's within Joey's right to go, I don't want to have this conversation right now. But ultimately, it's not nothing. Yeah. And if Percy needs to have that conversation, it kind of has to happen. So his point is also valid. Both points are valid. And he says, Are you ever were you ever going to tell me? And Joey actually makes the incredibly decent point. Well, you haven't been around this week, so it's been hard to tell you fucking anything. It's not like they can all just text away on the mobile phones, is it? So it's not like she can be listened. This is yeah. what's gone on. And, and I do goes think... to defend it. And to be fair, Joey says, actually, you know, it's not about Andy, and it isn't. And I'm like, but it should be. Why aren't you bothered about this? <laughs> but she admits that she was going to ask Dawson first and then tell him. And she says that it's about the questions. It's about questions that only he can answer. And then she goes through these various like pivotal times in her life when Dawson yeah. was there, so sort of, like when she broke her arm. And then she comes up with like a really odd one, and she's like, about the training the day... bra. Yeah, there was the day I had to wear this really horrific training bra and he was there and I was like he was where like what the fuck (laughs) also Joey you don't really wear a bra anyway like I can't imagine you probably needed like this is no disrespect to people with small tits I have no tits I don't wear bras I did buy like a bra from from Tammy Girl that was the end thing and I literally my mum laughed at me because it's like a treble and she was like you've got nothing to put in it cheers mum way to make someone feel better but why why was Dawson asking around with a training bra the mind it's a, it was a very strange thing but actually the main one and actually the, probably the only one she needed to say was that when her mum died he, he was the first one to come to the door and he just sat with her and he never asked how she was because he knew there were no words to describe yeah. how she was feeling which I think is the most powerful one and yeah, valid and, I think, and this is where like I sort of feel like yeah this is this is where I get what Joey's saying yeah and and essentially ultimately like a little bit of honesty does go a long way. Yeah. But so she says, you can't be angry at me for asking him, which like 
also, and these are the complexities of it. Yes, Percy can, and I get why he can. If we can say that we would BF about Percy spending so much time with Andy, then certainly I would BF if someone asked someone else to ask their ex, essentially, who I wasn't getting on with to do something for them without telling me yeah. first. So I think that everyone's valid in this. And I think that this is where it starts to get into the complexities of adult relationships and having to fucking navigate that there actually isn't really any right or wrong in some situations. And it is just how you feel. And yeah. Percy says, I'm not angry that you asked him for something. It's the question. So again, we've got this stuff about questions and, and this question coming back again and again. And then what he says is the person who knows you best. When do I get to be that person? And I get what Percy's saying, but at the same time, it's not as simple as that. I also yeah. feel like we're on a hamster wheel from hell with Percy and Joey, where Percy gets upset about something and Joey has to placate him. I feel like that's where we're at in this series. And I know I said it last episode, but this isn't the relationship I wanted for Percy and Joey. I will say at this point as well, Apparently, this was the episode that they had pegged to break Joey and Percy up. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And it's one of the reasons why they didn't have Joey lose her virginity to him, because they did have it that that would be Dawson. And they were going to break him up at this point. And then they decided not to. I know. Anyway, let's get to the actual point of this entire episode. We're 11 minutes from the end, and this is where we get to something that is definitely a lot more moist because we're outside Leary's fresh fish. And that is always moist. Always moist. Gail's fishy surprise is always going to be moist. And Dawson is there, and Joey turns up, and she says, you look swank for fish duty tonight. Fish duty just made me want to bomb all But also swank. Yeah. Swank and fish duty. Two words I don't need to hear in the same yeah. sentence. Is, is and, it swanky? Yeah, it is swanky. That's what I was thinking. It's just um, like, and I had ugh. I had a flashback of Jen in season two, episode one, where Jen called Dawson Spiffy. Do you remember that? It might be spiffing. <laughs> spiffy. No, she said spiffy. We had this conversation season Did two, we? episode one. Anyway, she calls him swank. She calls him swank. Yeah, but also swanky spy. Yes, thank you. Swank and spiff. Like the Dawson sorry. looks like he's gonna have a wank, and it turns out he's got dressed up because he's gone for dinner. <laughs> Andy, which would just be a really odd thing anyway. And Joey's it like, oh, be. that's strange. Because I'm having dinner with Andy as well. And then Jack comes up and they're both like, dinner with Andy too. And he's like, yes, how do you know? So they walk into the restaurant and Pacey's there. And Joey's like, what's going on? Where is Andy? And Pacey doesn't really know either. He's like, she's in the restroom, probably trying to work out the answer to that question. And then Andy appears and she thanks everyone for coming. And she says, well, she says we're waiting for one more person. Wait for one more person. Who could that be? And here we go. Jen uh, arrives and Jack tries to leave and then Jen's like no I should leave so they argue over who, who should leave and then Andy just interrupts by saying actually I'm going I'm leaving and that's why I've got you all here yeah so well done it was, like, it was like a ni- nice little like a little who done it a little screw done it but with no sex fucking off to Florence <laughs> and lots of tears oh god yeah so she says I've asked you here to say goodbye and I need to say something to you all so they all sit down and she says, it shouldn't have taken a scheme to get you all together. When my dad made the offer, I sat down. Right, what she says is I sat down with my trusty number two. I didn't Did know who that was, that? whether it was Percy or Jack. Or but I shit. also thought, was it like, 
I also thought, was it like a pen or a pencil? Do you know, like you can get different types oh, yeah, of she, pencils. Like she a, probably calls that Parker Fountain pen. I trust you. Yeah, two. like it's I did wonder. Andy. And um, um, and she made a list of pros and cons because of Andy. Of course she did. Yeah, of Andy. course she did. Uh, and the pros were like, it's an opportunity of a lifetime, of course. Although it's not, because your auntie's always going to live there, but whatever. I mean, I know, but I suppose dad, a dad said earlier yeah, in the episode, point, yeah. like, like when They'll else ever be able to do it? it again in the same way. She's doing a gap year. Okay, she's doing, doing a gap, gap year. year. It's not even a gap year. Everyone's going on like Andy's leaving forevermore, and it's six months, people. Six months. I mean, in terms of the um, TV I've show, she's leaving shit. forevermore. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. But also, so basically, she says when it came to the cons, the top villain was you guys, and you were supported, consoled, and understood me without judgment. But to look at us now, we're a mess. And let's talk about why, starting with last week. And finally, fucking finally, finally, she says, you should not blame Jen. If I don't, you shouldn't. End of, and, and that should be end it. Of, but that should have been it at the beginning. She but says, that's yeah. what she said. She'd originally said that, but everyone decided that even though Andy was fine with it, they had to not be fine with it, even though the person who it affected the most. And it's that kind of like, it's got fuck all to do with you. Like, it, it, it's if I got back with a partner and like you were like not talking to me because of it, like I've made that choice. I'll probably regret it, um, but I've made it and you, you've got to support it. You don't support everything. I do know you do. <laughs> probably judging me silently but um you know she's made the choice she said it's nothing to do with Jen get the fuck over it guys yeah that's exactly what she says she says she had them but I took them it was my fault and she says Percy Joey and Dawson you guys are so lucky do you know how rare it is to have friends you've known your entire life don't underestimate that because in the end and this is what I liked in the end we go back to people who were there at the beginning and in the beginning, they were the three of you. And I thought that that was so brilliant because I thought of like, the point is, is episode one. In the beginning, there was three of them. That's how yeah. it started. And I think that that was so lovely. That really, that's, that, this is where I started getting emotional. And she says, and you too. And she points to Jack and Jen. This is inexcusable. It's inexcusable. The thing that was keeping me here was worrying that Jack wouldn't have a sister. But he does. He does have a sister. And then she says, when I first met you all, I didn't know much about love and friendship. And each of you taught me a lot about both. So maybe by leaving, I can return the favour. And the sister thing's really quite poignant because she basically yeah. means Jen is his surrogate sister and you know she's so happy with that and that gives her kind of she she would be able to leave knowing that jack had that other person and it's lovely and she says yeah they taught us so, it is so lovely. much and she says the thought of en things ending like they are now is not how she wants to remember them and then she's yeah. sort of like do you want that and nobody says anything but jen gets up and hugs her yeah love you right so now we're going on a rep reparation tour Right, let's start with Percy and Joey. Percy's knocking at the toilet door. Apparently, Gail's fishy surprise only has one toilet. Percy, don't knock at a fucking toilet door while someone's trying to use the toilet. That's ungentlemanly behaviour and I won't have it. So Joey goes over and says, is anyone in there? No, Joey, that's why he's waiting around and banging on the door furiously. But he says, yes, and there's only room for one, which is a reoccurring theme these days. Which... Okay, pot kettle black, Percy, but because you've been with Andy all week, but okay. So she goes to say sorry, and he goes, No, I'm sorry for how I reacted. It was oh, a left. Sorry. 
they both should be sorry, but also at the same time, they both shouldn't be sorry. Because yeah, he's, he rightly says, I took a left hook to the hot button and I reacted like Percy. And she says, do you know who the guy that reacted like that is going to be in 10 years? And he's like, what? And she's like, the person who knows me best. And what she says is that Dawson is my past, but my future lies with you. You didn't even like me three years ago. And he's what he says is you tease the ones you love. And Joey says, you have to deal with the ones that you used to love. And he looks at Dawson chatting with Andy and he's like, well, yeah, fair enough. I just feel like, yeah, this is all fair enough. Absolutely fair enough. But at the same time, like Joey having to deal with Pacey's consistent insecurities is vaguely irritating. And I get that Pacey would have insecurities, but Joey also has insecurities, but yet they never seem to come up. And all of Pacey's insecurities seem to lie around Dawson. And I don't like it because it's not who Pacey is. And I think that Pacey really tries with people and he, or at least in the past few seasons, he's tried with people and he's tried to be understanding and he's tried to see it from other people's point of view. And now suddenly like every single time something happens, he kicks off a little bit. And I get that Dawson is a hot button issue for, issue for him to use his words. But at the same time, I'm a bit like, just purely as a viewer, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I wanted more from them. I wanted it to be longest day boat shed. Is what I wanted. Yeah. Just wanted constant fucking, let's be honest. Anyway, <laughs> fine. It's fine. And Joey's right that actually Dawson probably should have written that reference because he has been in her life for such a long time. Also, Dawson's like a swat, Yvonne Swat. Percy, do you honestly want to write that? Honestly, in your hearts of heart, do you want to sit down and yeah. write something? I know you want to do it, but do you actually want yeah. to do it? You'll never do it. Anyway, we've got Jen and Jack. And again, if I was Jen, I wouldn't be fucking forgiving Jack so quickly. I love Jack. I wouldn't. And that would overhang my friendship forever. He's been like, not that we hold on to things like absolutely. I tell you what, this episode might have been dry, but we've learned, we've we've said a lot about ourselves, which is essentially how we're both absolutely petty bitches. So Jen's outside because apparently no one's having dinner at this point, which just is absolutely unbelievable to me but jack yeah, they've had a bread roll i know like, just eat something i'd be fuming i'd be furious as well especially because obviously you know that they're not eating at full price at girls fishy surprise so jack says is that the girl who used to tell me everything and jen says is that the boy who used to listen oh and he says he never stopped listening he just didn't like what he was hearing what was that jack because you never spoke to jen she never said anything for you to listen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you refuse like, to it's listen like, to her. You, you listen to hear says what you listen to, yeah. Jack. And Jack says what Andy said in there, like, is, you know, you are such an important part of my life. And I thought that maybe you were changing on me. And even if she was, people but changed. also have a conversation with her, Jack, like, for fuck's sake. Yeah. But this whole changing thing, like, she's never going to stay the same. And if she wants to go through a period in her life where she gets off her box on ecstasy again, it's up to her. And tell you what, Jack, you've got some interesting, um, what's the word, adventures in front of you. And I don't mean exploring sexuality or anything like that, but I just mean navigating from teenagedom into adulthood. You know, you will do yeah. some stupid things. And we all did, and we all do. Uh, so stop being so pious. Is, yeah, is Jen allowed to just kick off at every last thing that you do, Jack? Didn't think so. 
But she says, like, I haven't changed. I'm still me, genuinely, the girl who screws up every now and then. Exactly. Like, this is, it's just, the fact that Jack, like, is being presented as, like, being so, like, magnanimously a forgiving Jen. She's done fuck all wrong. And, like, yeah. you're the one who wouldn't She's talk to her. You. Oh, poor Jen. I can't even cope. And anyway, nobody but- had to go at Andy for taking the fucking pill in the first place and being an idiot. But anyway. Jack had a low level go at her for about two yeah, yeah, fucking yeah. minutes and then and then stopped. But he says he's sorry and she says, I don't need that. I need someone who'll stand by me. Are you willing to do that? And he says, Are you willing to keep on standing? And she kind and of salutes him and they hug. Fine, though I wish more for Jen. I yeah, love Jack and he's brilliant, but that all of that shit wasn't okay that everyone treated Jen like that, and Jen's just yeah. supposed to and that Jen is the one apologising. So much of women apologising for things aren't, that aren't their fault in the show. Ugh. Anyway, now we've got a water conversation because of fucking course. And it has to be Joey and Dawson. Because we can't have an episode that doesn't finish or almost finish with Joey and Dawson standing by a body of water at the moment. Dawson says, I knew I'd find you here. What gave it yeah, away, So did Dawson? we. So did we, Dawson. We might as well write a stupid form for a college she's not going to go to. It's that Capeside GPS again. <laughs> she says, I thought you didn't know me anymore. Dawson. Oh. Oh. And he says, I never doubted how well I knew you. I was afraid of what would happen if I put it all down on paper. Which is fair enough because he has just dealt with all of this and trying to kind of move away from her again and doing all of that again. It will bring up memories. It will be painful. And I get where he's coming from. Oh, my God, that Dawson pass just stuck right on my back. I know, yeah, straight up your ass, that one, mate. And you don't I didn't want to say ass because I did not want to think about Dawson anywhere near my ass. Um, (laughs) But before he says... If the officer stands, I'd like to do it. And she's like, I would like it too. And then they go inside... Um, and then we get. Andy oh no, they don't. They look at it. Then they look at Percy and Andy talking, and Darcy oh, yeah, says that's it's right. nice to see. And Joey says it gives me something to hold on to. Yeah, like Percy's neck. Um, <laughs> continuing to do this. Like, why did you need to say goodbye to her separately? You're over. O v e e r spells over. That doesn't um, spell again, over. You just don't I know. Need it, but I was sure. really hoping that you over. didn't notice my double it. I double eat it because I am I am like Jen in Bungalow at 14. I double drop those E's into over. And I thought if I said it quickly enough, people wouldn't notice. But of course, of course you would. Um, anyway, so- Dawson says, let's go. And, should we go and give everyone something to hold on to? I was like, yeah. oh, what's that? I was genuinely like, oh. Yeah. Well, I, I wasn't because I was like, please don't let it be your penis, Dawson. Gang bang, gang bang so inappropriate. Gail's fish um, surprises hosting a gang band, unsurprisingly. I mean, it won't be the first if hosted. <laughs> uh, we've got Andy and Percy. Oh, God. And it's so, um, Andy and Percy are talking, and she goes, This might be the last time that. And Percy's like, Don't say that. Don't say it. T- Don't say there'll be, it. There'll be times to come back, proms, graduation, etc. And there will be. And and I, 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 don't, I don't know. It feels like it's overdone for her going away for six months. And Andy's like, she's, like not, said, she's gone. Forever. Well, yes, yeah, stop it. Um, in my head, she's coming back. Andy says, um, Like he said, there is a whole other world out there. And Percy's like, Is that why you're doing this? 
and it's kind of a bit self-presumptuous like he said that and now she's proven him right and she isn't she took his advice on board she followed it for herself not because she wants to yeah. piss off Percy not because there's unfinished business you know and it was a bit sort of get over yourself Percy even though I understand why you can't and you know I mean, Andy I says can't get over the him, strength. So. I'd like to get under him Andy says <laughs> that he gave her the strength to do things that she always needed to do but was too afraid to do and then there's quite a nice conversation where he says she doesn't get to use that adjective afraid anymore she's yeah. got to use brave and then he says that he's going to miss her overwhelming optimism yeah kind of I mean that's a bit annoying after a while but <laughs> I know yeah um, no one wants an eternal optimist god yeah that's like happy and, and especially not us two miserable shit bags yes. like mercury retrograde bringing us down don't be fucking optimistic yeah, how, de- how dare you it. be happy how dare no. you be happy and he says you know she, she hopes she'll leave that so some of that there for him and then they hug and he says he's gonna miss her i wanted them to have a little snog you know is that bad yeah, it is bad because we're peed your shippers. I know, but, but yeah, weird. But that's because well, I know. Like I did like Pandy though. I did like Pandy. So anyway, they're all in the restaurant, and Jack says to Andy, "The only reason I said you shouldn't go is because I'm going to miss you more than anything." And she says, "Good." <laughs> she must yeah. be a Leo. <laughs> yeah, she's like, "Of course you will." And he's like, he hates the thought of saying goodbye. And she's like, there aren't any goodbyes. You're my brother. Mm. Which is fair enough. <laughs> you did have another brother, though. But anyway. Um, hey! Well, it's true. You know, shit happens. So <laughs> they say they love each other and they hug each other. And it's all really lovely. And Dawson, because he's a wanker and can't go anywhere without his camera, has made it all about him and his camera. And they get why he's doing it. And it's lovely. But he set it up on a timer and they all have to get him for the picture together and he kind of jumps into the picture last because he's been setting up his Nikon or whatever it is and he's next to Pacey and they kind of stand slightly awkwardly next to each other and then Pacey no, pulls him a bit closer mid- no Andy's in the middle of them so yeah Dawson does do that I, I and he, he gets that. in yeah you just don't fucking watch. like so yeah Dawson sets up the camera and gets in the frame and Andy's in the middle of them and she moves out of the way ah. pulls Pacey's arm around Dawson's shoulder and they take a picture and that's how the episode ends. And then we'll, what we go into is in love and memory of David Jukes. Oh, which is I know. so sad. And we've probably, really, we, really we've flown through that and we've been a little bit flippant in parts, but actually the messaging about friendship and it all did happen too easily. And there were things that needed to be unpicked more, such as Jack's reaction to Jen and the fact that Jen has to be the one asking forgiveness. That's not great. But the kind of, the bringing back together of what had been a fractured friendship, as, as they all said, and the understanding that they all needed each other and yeah. that already one of them is going to start a new chapter in their life. Yeah, in terms of messaging, it's all right. Like this concept of these difficult decisions, they are within you and you already know the answer is quite important because there's this huge thing about questions, about questions, about questions. And actually you already know the answer and you really don't need to be looking to other people to answer those questions for you. And they might not be the easiest questions and your response might hurt other people, but ultimately you have to do what is best for you and what is going to make you happiest. Yeah. And that might upset other people. It might upset boyfriends. It might upset friends, but you have to put yourself first. And yeah, Andy going to Florence and putting herself first 
I really like that and I really like the best scene in there aside from like those final few scenes at the end where everyone sort of came back together and started healing was the scene between Percy and Andy where he was like you can't put other people first all the time and I think that's really really important we've said it before I think that you know in terms of mental health and in terms of happiness you have to put yourself first and it might feel selfish but sometimes you have to be selfish because sometimes no. your happiness is dependent I know you don't know about I know that you're the most selfless person the most selfless Leo on the planet but yeah like so I like that stuff I'm sorry to see Meredith Monroe go and he was yes. coming back around and I think that they fucked her up in season three but she really came into her own Season two, she was great. She really came into her own at the end of season three and back into season four. She was doing well and she could have stayed. She didn't need to go. I don't personally think. I think that the writers always felt like they were going to get, well, I know the writers felt they were going to get rid of her in season two. And then people liked her so much, they kept finding reasons to have her around. But I don't think the show would have lost anything by keeping her around, to be perfectly honest. She Even if she just back. faded into the background or whatever. I know you've told me this 10 times now. I mean, I'm, I'm having... So, like, it's been bad enough finding out about Dad, not my dad. But, I know, yeah, and also, I'm, like... I will be... Genuinely yeah, be, bad dad reform. That was that was a sad, a sad ending to it all. And I think that they picked this episode on purpose. It was. They picked this episode on purpose because he... That I think there maybe had been they could have put it on the last episode for instance the episode episode six rather than episode seven yeah. but I think it had a, a particularly significant yeah. impact here and probably the last episode he, he appeared on so that was all very sad as well so yeah like an episode as a whole it was all right you know and there's a catalyst but- now people have been kind of forced together and to confront some things that they've been forgetting or trying to forget so it'll be yeah. interesting to see the direction the next episode takes so i will say this someone messaged me and was like it's all downhill from here lasses I was oh. Like, oh cheers <laughs> <laughs> but you know mercury it- effing retrograde mercury fucking retrograde has fucked up a tv program for, for us from the year 2000 like is there nothing it can't do I tell you what next this this podcast is evergreen isn't it Mercury retrograde will be over by the time we release it it will that's true it'll start it again we start again by by the time we finish talking to each other anyway as always we've got the Manchester live show we've got we're doing episode 14 so please come and see us We've hopefully got something nice coming up with another podcast soon on someone else's side. So essentially, we're going to frame that as a bonus episode, yeah. <laughs> even though it's all not going to come bo- out yeah. on our subscriptions. All, all those bonus episodes we keep promising to do for you, and it takes somebody else to force us to do one that doesn't even. Yeah. And it's not even. <laughs> it's yeah, it's not going to come out on Dawson's Weekly, but obviously, we'll let you know. We about will it have you give you all of the links, etc. So, yeah, please come to the Manchester show. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can drop us an email. All of it's in the episode description. You know the drill. If you want to support us, there's a link in the episode description. As always, thank you so much for listening. Sorry if we've been intolerable, miserable bitches this entire episode. We will do better next episode when Mercury isn't hanging over us. Just blame it all on Mercury, Katie. Just blame it all on Mercury. (laughs) I mean, I always blame it on someone that isn't me. So if it's a random planet, 
that will do as well. I didn't even know. I didn't even think of that, but brilliant. Um, but yeah, <laughs> thank you everybody for listening to our bitchy ramblings. And there will be more of the same with hopefully a bit more of an upbeat tone. Yeah, we're doing episode. we're doing next episode face to face. So hopefully. Oh yeah, we are. So we'll be hammered. We we'll will be hammered, hammered and, and also they'll absolutely completely incoherent. So we'll see you there'll then. There will be more singing. See you then. <laughs> Bye. Goodbye.